Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Oh, it may look like, right? But it's not what it looks like. Thank God it's not what it looks like. Man, if you just live by what it looks like, there's no, there's not much hope. Amen. Not much to look forward to, not much to look ahead to. And we're left with doom and gloom, but thank God we have another reality. We can see from another perspective. Set your minds on things above, not on things below. Amen. Well, if you would go with me to, uh, let's start in Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter 1. I am um, going to kind of shift gears, but not shift gears. Um, That makes no sense to you whatsoever, I know. That's okay. It makes sense to me. Um, We've been talking about spirit versus soul. We've been talking about living out of the spirit and understanding that sometimes the soul will get in the way. The soul will try to take over. The mind and the will and the emotions will try to show up and try to speak and try to reveal just like what we were talking about. If you live by what it looks like, well, that's what? Your five physical senses, sight, touch, which is feel, your hearing, right? We have these senses and they're, 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 there for a reason, but they're not there to lead us. They're not there to guide us. They're not there to tell us the reality of a situation. You're going to have to be able to switch gears. You're going to have to be able to live uh, enlightened, if you will, enlightened by the Spirit of God, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, because there's going to be a lot that you're going to encounter and a lot that you will engage in life. You already know this, that will try to tell you that God's word is not true, that God's word is, uh, you know, not stable, not grounded, that you cannot put your full faith and trust in God's word. We've been learning this really on the weekends too, as we've been talking about deception and reality and perception and understanding that the enemy comes to challenge and to question the word of God, because if you question and challenge it, then you can't live by it. I'm not going to apply a word that I'm doubtful of. I'm not going to execute a word or see a word fulfilled in my life if it brings or if there is contrary, uh, contradicting challenges, contradicting challenges to the word of God. In Joshua chapter one, we see the man Joshua taking over the leadership and the oversight of the Israelites that had come out of slavery, come out of bondage. Uh, We know the famous chapter, Numbers chapter 13, where the 12 spies go into the land, right? And they had a word. Did they have a word? This is your promised land. This is the land that I gave to your forefathers, to Abraham. And now you just have to stand on it and believe it. But we know 12 spies go in, 10 spies come out with a bad report, with a negative report a report that is opposite or contradictory to God's word. 
And what did they allow to move them? What they saw, how they felt. They even made statements like, we're nothing but grasshoppers in their sight. That is someone that's moved by what they see, not fixed on God's word. And if you begin to challenge or question God's word, it won't be long before you begin to see yourself through your enemy's eyes. Two people got it. Too late now. You missed your moment. If you challenge and question God's word, it will not be long before you begin to see yourself through your enemy's eyes. And God has intended for you to see yourself through his eyes. He sees victors. He sees overcomers. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the circumstance. And you have to choose to not be defined by that. You have to choose that my circumstance doesn't define me. My circumstance is not final. The the situation that I'm in right now, as dire as it may be, you know, we sing songs like I'm going to see a victory. That's a faith-filled song. We, We sing songs like this is how I fight my battles. Even though it may look like I'm surrounded. We just sang the first song was about overcoming. These these songs that we're giving you, these are not just openers to give you time to run late and and find a seat and hit the restroom before I start preaching the word before anybody notices you weren't here yet. These are songs to allow you to open up your heart so that when the word of God comes in, I mean, in essence, um, you know, I, I don't know what they use today. I'm sure that there's better equipment that they use, but I remember there was a tool that had like three spikes on the end of it and you put it in the soil and you turn it to till and soften up the ground. Why? When I put a seed in there, I want that ground to receive the seed. And so the worship team, they're up here tilling the ground of your heart a little bit. Why? Because it's midweek, it's Wednesday, hump day. Whatever happened today and whatever happened Tuesday, whatever happened Monday, and that's if you came to church on Sunday, you know, it may have been even longer that, that, that you've had your heart worked on and the soil of your heart tilled, and now we need the seed to go down. And, and, and so these songs are your opportunity to turn your affection and attention toward God so that as I minister the word, I'm not hitting stony ground. I'm not hitting hard clay and hard soil. That having to dig and dig and dig. And I tell you what, it just it makes it a lot easier if I could just drop the seed in some fresh soil. It does. I can do it either way. I can preach in season and out of season. I just really like preaching in season. I love preaching to some soft soil where the seed is going down. You're rejoicing with joy. And then, of course, the most important part is when you walk out of here, you're doers of the word, not hearers only putting it into practice. But what happens is, is over time, hardness of the clay shows up. Things begin to show up to contradict the word of God. The enemy comes with challenges. The enemy comes with questions. Doubt shows up initially, and we accept it in the small little seed form of doubt. And before long, it turns into a big old tree of unbelief. And this is what happened to the 10 spies. And so we know that the two with the positive report were outnumbered by the 10 with the negative report. The Israelite nation uh, decided we're going to go with the negative report. It's funny how fear spreads quicker than faith. You ever notice that? Real easy to get someone to doubt. It takes a little more work to get someone to believe. 
You know, I think one of the greatest tragedies of our uh, time, of, of our uh, society, culture, is the, the, the cynicism and the, the, the disbelief that people automatically are predisposed with. And I'm not just talking in church, but that there is a, a, a skepticism and a cynicism that, that people receive good news with. It's almost like we can't receive good news. I'm just talking even in the world, if someone were to give you good news, some people are just so, uh, uh, you know, either predisposed or hard to get good news through. And, and man, when we're preaching the word, man, we should be able to easily receive this. We should be able to easily accept this. And so, you know, these Israelites, they decided to go with the negative report. Majority wins. And we know that ultimately they died off in the wilderness. God said, none of you are going to enter except for Joshua and Caleb, who stayed true to my word. Not even Moses got in. That was a whole different scenario. That was disobedience. That was just downright, this is what I told you to do. This is what you chose to do. Because of that, you're not going in the promised land. See, God values purity. God values purity. And man, I tell you what, if I disobey or if I find out I, I, I made a wrong decision, um, I, I just want to be quick to get it right because I don't want to be disqualified from what God has in store for me. But God values purity. God values just believe me at my word. We need, a, we need faith tests. Y'all hear me? We need faith tests. The just shall live by faith. We should never find ourselves just coasting with complacency in life with no true battle or test in front of us. You need to get comfortable being tested. You need to get comfortable with winds and waves around you. You need to get comfortable in crisis. We need to get comfortable in going toward the next thing and not accepting status quo or not accepting just the way things are or even when things are good. That should scare us a little bit. We should be saying, man, I need to be putting my faith on something. I need to be, I need to be believing God for something. I need to, I need to be going to another level. Y'all with me? Faith ought to be a part of our DNA. Faith ought to be a part of our regular daily activity. What do you believe in God for? If I ask that question, you know, what 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 do you believe in God for right now? What is the faith test God has you in? What are you engaging a belief in God that it's it's so radical if he doesn't come through, this whole thing blows up. And most people can't answer that question. Most people aren't there. I remember Pastor Earl, uh, you know, our pastor down in St. Augustine, Florida, Anchor Faith Church, St. Augustine, they just recently uh, purchased and closed on the St. Augustine Mall in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, uh, over $11 million. They, they needed $1.1 million as a down payment. And, and I remember uh, I was with him and uh, we were walking through the mall with the guest minister that we knew. And uh, we were walking through him, uh, walking through the mall and he was just showing them around the mall, just showing them, you know, one day this is gonna be our property. We're believing God, this is ours. We're, we're raising this amount. And, and the pastor uh, looked at pa Pastor Earl and he said, I like you. Because um, if this doesn't work out, you're done. 
If this doesn't work out, you're going to look like a, a complete fool. And those are the kind of faith tests we need to be engaged in. Right? I'm, I'm already scaring some of y'all. Y'all are like, well, I'm, you know, we, we get so small-minded, and God is a, a very big God. God is a very big God, and he wants us doing very big things for the kingdom of God. And he's just looking for one man with some obedience. Never underestimate the obedience of one man. And Joshua and Caleb decided, I'm going to be that one man. Giants, I don't care. Land too vast, I don't care. Land's got all kinds of enemies in it, fine by me. We'll take them out one by one. We'll hear the word of the Lord. So we know that that nation's died off. They didn't accept the, the opportunity to overcome. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord uh, spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. God's moving on. Thank you, Moses. Appreciate your service. Appreciate your effort. He put up with a lot with those Israelites. And God's like, he's dead. Let's go on. Next order of business. Moses, my servant, is dead. And that, that statement used to bother me. I'll be honest. It was like, man, you know, Moses went through a lot for you to just, Moses, my servant, is dead, period. Next, business, next order of business. But then God spoke to me one day and he said, I gave Moses the highest title I could give him. Moses, my servant, is dead. You can't do any better than that. The greatest of these will what? Be a servant of all. And so I was like, okay, you got me, God. I, you, you're good on that one. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. Uh, he goes on there. He lists the areas that he's giving him. And again, remember, this is not the, the crew that came out of Egypt. They died. This is their kids. This is the thing. If, if we don't possess what God has for us, someone will. <laughs> it's not a matter of if with God. It's a matter of who. Who will respond to my voice? And, and, and if I can't take you in and just let you die off, I'll raise up a generation that will believe me and go in. Right? Because God could get them out of Egypt, but what? He couldn't get Egypt out of them. They decided to think like slaves, live like slaves. They couldn't see themselves as overcomers. They couldn't see themselves as conquerors. And so they said, you know what? You, you refuse to renew your mind, right? To my word, you want to live like a slave. You want to be treated like a slave. You don't want to be responsible for anything. You want every, everything handed to you. I mean, they even were grumbling and complaining and saying, if only we were, what, back in Egypt. If only if we had three square meals a day back there. It's amazing. They, the hot meals are all that they remember. They don't remember the scourging on the back, and they don't remember the hard labor and, and the taskmasters. They don't remember the bad stuff. They remember the good stuff. Okay. So God says, we'll get a new group. He brings them in, and then verse 6 says this, be strong. And of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, everyone say only. There's no option. Only be strong and very courageous 
that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. Everyone say that. Say, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Notice that their prospering is connected to their ability to stay with God's word. Do not turn from the right or to the left. Uh, We have a word for that today. It's called distraction. Do not be distracted. Do not allow things to come into your life and pull you off course so that you can prosper wherever you go. There's no prosperity living a distracted life. There's no prosperity living a life that's always, am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to go there? What about this? What about that? And, and what are these people saying? What are, and, and, I mean, the Bible says that a, a, a double-minded man should not expect anything, anything from God. Somehow God has a value for staying with what he says. Do not allow anything to deter you. Do not allow anything to come along and distract you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you uh, may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Everyone say meditate. Day and night. He says you shall meditate in it day and night to observe, to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. He says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what changes. Doesn't matter what environment you're in. Doesn't matter who's coming against you. Doesn't matter what challenges arise. Doesn't matter what people say about you. Doesn't matter what the majority's doing. I will be with you wherever you go. As we begin to kind of take a turn and and go a different direction, um, we're going to continue talking about living in the spirit. We're going to continue talking about the spirit versus soul. But if you remember, the soul is made up of the mind the will, and the emotions. And so I want to take time over the next several weeks to break down the mind, the will, and the emotions. And tonight we're going to talk about the mind. We're, talking, we're going to talk about the need to have a sound mind in our thinking, in our ability to believe, in our ability to uh, think on the word. And he's very direct here. You will not prosper if there is distraction. You will not prosper if you're caught between what God says and what the situation says, what God says and what the doctor says, what God says and what the banker says, what God says and and what it looks like on the outside. What God says has to be the main thing. In the uh, New Living Translation, if we can pull Uh, that up. Verse six says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. Verse seven says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Watch this. Do not deviate from them, turning either 
to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8 says this, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. it's, It's no wonder today that we're dealing with the mental health issues that we're dealing with when at the same time we live in the most distracted culture and society this planet has ever seen. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe there's a connection to having a sound mind and what we yield our mind to. What we give our mind access to or what has access to our minds. Maybe there's a connection between all the different things and all the different inputs and all the different voices and all the different posts and all the different channels and all the different stuff that we allow to creep into our thinking capacity. And at the, on the flip side, we're dealing with mental health crises. Uh, we, we're dealing with, uh, you know, anxiety, uh, depression, um, just an anxiousness, a worry, a concern, a poor outlook on life. Just like what I was saying, uh, for, for a lot of people to even have hope for the future is rare and weird. And he's telling Joshua, Here's something I need y'all to understand. If you're going to possess this promised land, if you're going to walk in the things that I have promised you, that my word has said are yours, past tense, promised land, already belongs to you. If you're going to walk in that and see that fulfilled, you're going to have to have a stayed mind, a sound mind, a mind that is fixed on the word. We just learned on Sunday, Colossians chapter 3, set your minds on things above. He says, meditate on my word. Meditate means to chew on, means to think on. How many of you have had situations, whether now or in the past at some point, where your mind was just running and running and running, and you're thinking and you're thinking, sometimes to the point you couldn't even fall asleep. Anybody been there? Look at the hands. Every one of you that has your hands up, you have proven to yourself that you are phenomenal at meditating. You are an amazing meditator, if that's a word. That's the practice of meditating. Thinking on over and over and over. And why is it that when we are thinking on over and over and over and replaying in our mind over and over and over and chewing on in our mind over and over and over, it's always bad stuff? That activity is the same activity that will get you over. It's the same activity that will get you to overcome. It's the same activity that will get you to conquer. It's the same activity, but you're going to have to be intentional. Now, he tells him several times, be strong and of good courage. 
Those are commands. Be strong and very courageous. They're not suggestions. He's letting them know, you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to be courageous, which tells me that there's something coming against me. That's an indicator. That's an indicator. You're going to have to be at the top of your game. You're going to have to be firing on all cylinders. You're going to have to, and and those are commands. And, And notice he doesn't tell you how to be strong and courageous. He just gives you the instruction, be strong and courageous. And then the next step, he makes you responsible for meditating on the word, thinking on the word. He says, day and night. Day and night. Now, you might think that sounds like a lot, but again, we're already doing that activity with other stuff, day and night. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, just so you don't think that this is something that I deal with and that I'm just up here preaching stuff. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and and we were sharing stuff that we can only share with each other, and we were sharing about how, you know, pastors... You know, I I would imagine a lot of pastors go to sleep very late. Not because they want to. Because there's so much in their mind going on. Every counseling session I have, I replay. Every meeting I have, I replay. Every financial decision that's made, I replay. Every message that I preach, I replay. I do this in my own life. And I have to be intentional in my meditating that I'm meditating on God's word, that I'm meditating on what he said, that I'm meditating on a hopeful future, and I'm meditating on what we're going to see here in Philippians chapter 4. What are you thinking on? What are you thinking on? It's the content. This is not like, okay, now all of a sudden I've got to learn how to meditate. No, no, no. You know how to meditate. You've just got to switch the video in the VCR. Anybody remember VCRs? Yep. And you got to switch out the, the, the DVD. You got to switch out the video, the VHS tape. You got to switch that out. You're playing the wrong things. And then we wonder why we end up in depression, worry, anxiety bad moods, a a hopeless outlook instead of a hopeful outlook, and it's affecting our minds. It's not the action of meditating that you're failing at. It's the content that you're meditating on that we're failing at. When I saw that, it set me free because I always felt like I had to go learn how to meditate on God's word. Okay, they got to chew on. I know what it means. I've been to Bible school. They give you all the, the meditate means to chew on, means to think on. It means to chew. Uh, it, it even uses the, the imagery of a cow, how he chooses the cud over and chews the cud over and over and over and, and is chewing and chewing and chewing and grinding and thinking on it. When I learned that I've been meditating this whole time, just on the wrong stuff, that set me free. Now I just need to change the content. He says, do not deviate. Do not deviate. Don't pop it out and put another one in. Don't allow your mind to go into places that don't bring you to the same conclusion the word of God brings you to. 
And sure, we'll have seasons where this is harder than others. Seasons where, man, standing on God's word, man, you know, there's not a lot of opposition, not a lot of challenge. But he's saying be strong and very courageous because he knows there's opposition on the other side. I don't know about you. I want to overcome in my mind. I said, I want to overcome in my mind. I'm tired of my stinking thinking. I'm tired of thinking that doesn't align with God's word. I'm tired of thinking that talks me out of what God has already trying to been, has been trying to talk me into. If he says I can possess it, if he says I can have it, if he says I can be it, if he says I can do it, I want to believe God at his word. Amen. So Philippians chapter four, look at some familiar passages, but hopefully we can bring some illumination to why our souls are gaining control of our lives rather than yielding to our spirits as we've been talking about. And Philippians chapter four, we want to start with verse, let's start with verse four. In the New King James, it reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. How often? Always. Again, I will say, in case you didn't get it the first time, rejoice. Rejoice is a command. Again, we're not, he's not giving suggestions. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse six, be anxious for a few things. Be anxious for 90%. Be anxious for 10%. Be anxious for one or two. No, it says what? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's the ingredient we forget. You know, if, you, if you're going to make a meal, there's certain ingredients. And if you live, leave out some ingredients, you're not going to come to the proper conclusion. And thanksgiving, thanksgiving is not a response to getting the answer. It says, let your requests. Did y'all catch that? Doesn't say Thanksgiving after it comes to pass. It says with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. When's the last time you included Thanksgiving in your request for what you were believing God for? Oh, we always include thanksgiving in the response, in the answer. Once I've received it, oh, thank you, Father. That's what, but he's saying act like you got it when you're making the request. I mean, if you really trust God at his word, if you really believe he's going to come through, if you really believe his word is what it is and it, 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 it says uh, and you can have what it says you can have, then you are going to have thanksgiving when you're making the request known. Mark chapter 11 says, believe you receive when you pray. Believe you receive when? When you pray. Not when you get the answer. 
You ought to look like you just got the answer as you're making the request. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. That's, that's how much we can count on his word coming to pass. That you can act like you got it when you ask. Believe you receive when you pray. Psalms says to enter his courts with thanksgiving. Oh, we can leave his courts with thanksgiving, but it says come in with thanksgiving. And your emotions may be running haywire and and your mind may be going all over the place, but he says, this is the posture you come to me with. This is the, you know, we, we need to do away with believers groveling and and grumbling and complaining or or this super hype emotion of of oh god if you would just please and, and this this you know uh, just sunday just sunday we were back in my office and uh matt webb uh one of our team members he was back there in the office with me and um i i, I was somewhere I was probably out here in the sanctuary. I came back and I came back into my office and um, he said, there's this, there's this kid just running around back here. Acts like he owns the place. Said that he had a code to the doors and could just go wherever he wants. He's joking with me because you know who he's talking about. He's talking about my son. He's talking about Camden running around, entering codes and doors and just walking and opening up fridges and taking out, uh, you know, going through snacks and leaving wrappers everywhere and, and opening up my, my, my sparkling waters. He doesn't even like them. Why, why'd you take it then? I wanted to try it to see if I liked it yet. Waste my water. You know you don't like it? It's not Sprite. I told you, it's not Sprite. There's no lemon lime in it. It's just water with carbonation. We've been through this. Going through all my stuff. Acting like he owns the place. But you know what? That's how you and I ought to be acting in the kingdom of God. We're in daddy's house. And we're in the family. And we don't need to be groveling and asking God if we can have a sandwich or something out of the fridge. And, and, and go, Lord, if it be your will, can I, you know, c- could you please heal my body? He's like, man, I've made that available to you. My son took stripes on his back for you. That's yours. Freely take it. Boldly come before the throne of grace. That, that's part of identity. It's part of what we've been talking about, knowing who you are. Camden knows who he is when he's here. Now, if he starts bossing you guys around, I need to know. Now we've crossed the line. But you know what? He's the pastor's kid. And he walks around this place. It's kind of like a second home to him. When he was younger, he was up here a lot with us. He didn't have a choice. Now, gotten a little older, we've got help, or we've, you know, in new seasons, thank God, he doesn't have to be up here uh, all the time if we're doing meetings or whatever after hours. But at the end of the day, he knows this, this is my dad's church. And he's got access that maybe not everybody else has access to. Well, you've got access, come on, that the world doesn't have access to. And we need to start taking ownership of our access and accessing some things. According to the word of God, amen. So he says, 
Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, everyone say peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and what? Minds. Apparently, it's important to guard our hearts and minds. The mind that we're talking about, the distracted mind that everyone easily has access to, CNN easily has access to, Facebook easily has access to, the doctor report easily has access to. I think I made this statement either last week or or, or a few weeks ago talking about, uh, you know, what you have control over. You may not be able to keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. You may not be able to keep the thoughts from coming, may not be able to keep the temptation, but you can keep the door closed. That word guard is a military term. It actually means this, to lie in wait. So it's actually looking. It's not a defensive guard, it's an offensive guard. I dare anyone to try to come and trespass in my mind. I dare a thought to try to come. I dare a thought that doesn't align with God's word to try to, to, try to take root in my life. And it's lying in wait, ready to capture it, ready to take it down. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us to cast down every imagination that what? Exalts itself up to the obedience of Christ and, and bring it into the subjection or obedience to Christ that exalts itself against God and his word. How quickly are we capturing those thoughts? Because every thought we don't capture begins to take up territory and take up room in our mind. We give it room and board. We let it come in. Come on, we've used the analogy before. We invite it in. We, we, we give it a meal, a hot bath. Here's some clean towels. Here's a bed freshly made for you with little mints on the pillow. I mean, what are you doing for the thoughts that come to your mind? Are you welcoming them in, bringing them in, taking care of those thoughts? Are you guarding your mind and lying in wait to capture those thoughts? Or are you just letting them have free reign in your mind? Taking up space, taking up territory in your mind. No, he says, do not deviate. You know, the word anxious or the word anxiety is the same word in the Bible as worry. For the sake of time, I'm not gonna go there. You can write it down. Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, verse 25, do not worry. That's the worst thing to tell somebody that's worrying. Oh, don't worry. I mean, if a doctor comes in and says, all right, I don't want you, I don't want you to worry. What are you doing? You're bracing yourself. How bad is it, doc? All right, I don't, I don't want you to worry. You wreck your car and you take it to the, you know, the insurance guys like, all right, I don't want you to worry. I mean, what do you expect them to say? It's a total loss. I mean, no one says, don't worry. Everything's completely fine. No one does that. They're bracing you to try to soften the blow. But Jesus literally says, do not Worry. The word anxiety, the word anxious, and the word worry in the New Testament both mean this, to be divided into two parts. It's literally what the word means. 
Do not be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be distracted is what he's saying. Don't deviate from God's word. He goes on to say in verse 8, after your the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, here it is, meditate on these things. Guys, if it doesn't meet the criteria, it's not tolerated in my mind. If it doesn't meet the criteria of true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, I mean, that one right there. How many things are we tolerating in our mental realm that are of bad report, that do not carry a good report? That takes us right back to Numbers 13. The moment that they saw something or encountered something that did not align with God's word, that was the moment to what? Guard their hearts and their minds. Guard their thinking capacity. Cast down vain imaginations. Bring them under the subjection and obedience of Christ. Guard, lie in wait, ready to take out any thought that dares to trespass in my mind. Do not be distracted. Verse 9 says, These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Now watch this. And the God of peace, everyone say God of peace. So earlier we, in verse seven, we saw the peace of God. But now he says, let me take you a step further. Let me be the God of peace. If you will receive the God of peace by by byproduct, you will receive the peace of God. Sometimes we want the peace of God and God is saying, do you want the God of peace? You want just what I have for you or do you want me? And if you get to know me, well, I don't know about you, but relationships don't typically work. The strength of a relationship doesn't typically work if it's distracted, right? The strength of the relationship is in how well can you put off distractions and just focus on me, whether it be dating, whether it be marriage, whether it be, uh, you know, even a, 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 a co-worker relationship, boss-employee relationship, whatever relationship, that the strength of it lies in how well can you get rid of distractions and focus on this right here. And God is saying, if you'll guard your heart, guard your mind, if you'll put up those walls, if you will lie in wait, ready to attack any thought that tries to come that doesn't align with my word, you'll get to know me. And as a result of getting to know me, you'll receive everything that I have for you. The Passion Translation, let me read this real quick and we'll wrap this up. Starting with verse six in the Passion. He starts off right here, says, don't be pulled in different directions. Right there. That's the don't be anxious. Don't be worried. What does that mean? To divide into two parts. He says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith 
heart-filled requests before God and overflowing with gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Put into practice the example of all that you have heard from me or seen in my life, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Matthew 6.33 clearly says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Guys, that's our responsibility. The end of the day, our mind is our responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's not your friends. It's not your bosses. It's not your pastors. It's not even God's. God will not step in and fix your mind for you, set your mind for you, align your mind for you. That is our responsibility. But the promise is, if we will guard, lie in wait, take every thought, align it with God's word, that we will see, we will yield the results, the fulfillment, the fruitfulness of God's word in our lives. It's time to take control of our minds. It's time to take our minds back. It's time to take our minds back. There there are so many distractions. I tell people all the time, especially if you're in a season, how this is for you, we just talked about this. If you're in a season, where it could be this or it could be that. Not even bad and good. You're trying to learn what is good and what is God. And in those seasons, get closer to him. The more you eliminate the distractions, the more clarity you'll have in taking the right steps with the king. It's not hard. He does not want this to be a guessing game. Even following the will of God and the plan of God, he doesn't want it to be, is this the right time? Is this too soon? Are we supposed to go here? Should we do this? He'll let you know. You'll have a peace on the inside. Peace of God. The peace of God follows the God of peace. Get closer to him and peace comes as a byproduct. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.